to the Families Voices podcast. Our podcast today is being recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and I wish to acknowledge them as traditional owners. I pay my respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. The Family Voices podcast is a series of conversations with families of young children with a developmental delay or disability. We aim to build parents' knowledge, skills and confidence in navigating early childhood services and supports. The podcast is also an opportunity for families to share their stories. This podcast series is brought to you by Early Childhood Intervention Australia, VicTAS. We're a membership-based organisation that's proudly worked alongside families, practitioners and other organisations that provide supports for young children with disability or developmental delay and their families for over 35 years. To learn more about the podcast and our organisation, please visit ekiavic.org.au. Hello, my name's Kerry Bull and it's my great pleasure to have Pam with us today. Pam is going to talk with us about a grandparent's perspective. So, hi, Pam. Hi, Kerry. And welcome to you. Perhaps we could just start, Pam, by you talking about why you wanted to be on the Family Voices podcast. Thank you, Kerry. Well, I guess as a grandmother, I think that we have the opportunity to have a, a special or a different relationship with our grandchildren. And it's a role and a relationship that can be different from other relationships that they have with their parents, their siblings or extended family members and friends. For a grandmother, I think for me, each grandchild is a child of one of my children. And in that way, a grandchild carries part of me with them. So that gives me a different aspect to relationship, I think, which is important to me. And it informs how... I interact with my grandchildren and with my family. But mm. this also has to be in the context of having a good, established and ongoing relationship from the beginning. It's also important that I respect the privacy of each family and the values and attitudes that they choose for themselves. I have eight grandchildren and for better or worse, each one of them carries part of me while being their own individual self. They're all adults now and each one has faced some challenges, some more than others. In fact, two of my grandchildren have faced serious illnesses, but I'm thankful that each now are well and that all eight of them have found a place in the world that gives them satisfaction. My two youngest grandchildren have diagnosed disabilities, which they've had from birth. But while their abilities differ, they share the gift of parents who are totally committed to their families and the children both have can-do personalities, which gives them the determination and positivity to live life to the full. Mm, what a lovely way to get us started, Pam. Thank you. I love hearing about this idea of a grandchild carrying part of you, um, but also about their can-do personalities. We'll talk more about that later. Mm. Pam, can you tell us a bit about those early days with your grandchildren? Yes, um, my granddaughter, she has Down syndrome and Down syndrome is a condition that is very well known. She's 22 now and enjoys a large degree of independence and community engagement. When she was born, there'd been no indication at all that she would have Down syndrome. 
So her parents went through the usual emotions that any mum and dad have initially, but above all, total love and acceptance. Mm. Uh, It doesn't mean that it was easy, but that was the grounding of their family. Yeah. And it was the same for our extended family and friends, and they're all very supportive and loving and embracing. She has an older brother. Um, He's always very protective and a constant buddy, and her cousins always included her in everything that was going on. That family is also a member of a local church, and she was very welcomed and loved there. I also go to that church, and, yeah, she was really loved because she was a cute little girl. Oh, <laughs> she had her, her usual regular physical checkups for children with Down syndrome, and early on there were some concerns, but she had therapies and she progressed well. Mm. So, um, yeah, she came into a, a very loving environment within the family and in the wider Yeah, that's good to hear about the family, but also the the wider community. There was love and care and acceptance. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What what about for your grandson? Well, for my grandson, he has Joubert's syndrome. Um, He's 21 now. At that stage, no one seemed to know anything. And that brought a whole lot of extra challenges. Now, the main impact of Joubert's is on his visual and physical coordination he has low muscle tone and, and motor skills. But at 21, he's quite independent now. When he was born, once again, there'd been no indication that there would be any concerns. But soon after he was born, he began with rapid breathing when he was awake. But the doctors didn't really seem to know. And so that, I guess, was the beginning of the journey to find out what was just what it was. Mm. They'd been very stressful months for his mm. parents with uncertainty and lack of information, even among the medical profession. So it was important that they had the total support of the families on both sides, mm. um, and that was invaluable. Yeah, it's an interesting perspective, Pam, because we hear so often on Family Voices about the persistence of parents when they're seeking uh, understanding or a diagnosis, but you're talking about the support behind that from uh, you as a grandmother um, and mother, um, yes, and also yeah. the, the broad, all the all the broader family, the support that was needed during that really difficult time. Yeah, yeah. but through it all, like he was he's always been a happy, loving little little boy, and yeah. he's now a happy, loving young man. Um, <laughs> and he has an older brother as well. So, no, he was keeping up with his older brother and his older brother was looking after him. Pam, if you think of those early days, you've, you've talked about some of the supports both of those families uh, relied on. What, what do you think were the most helpful supports for them in those early days? The most important, I think, initially is to know and be sure of the support of your immediate family and yeah. your extended family, mm. where your children are treated like everyone else. Mm. They're accepted and, and loved and and just taken in and, and things are expected of them as much as possible that they can manage mm. to just be one of the kids. Like I said, the, their cousins included them in everything, you know, Yes, as much as they could. Yeah, um, so, so you mean... Um, Everyone had high expectations of them just as they had for all of the children in the family. 
That's right. They yeah. were all ah. individual children and yes. each one had their own personalities and their own way of expressing themselves and their own way of doing things and they all learned to get on together mm. and accept each other just for who they were. Yeah. So relationships um, and encouragement count for so much. Yeah. At that time, you know, it was when there's lots of doubts and uncertainties. The other thing I came to realise is the grief and fear that parents experience um, because as a grandmother, like I was close, but one step back, it isn't always front of mind just how much grief goes on in parents' hearts. Mm. And that in itself it can be a big burden to carry. And because it's very personal, it can be difficult to share yeah. with others. So one of the most important things I think with grandmothers is to be in the background. Like you're not there to tell people what to do. You're there just to be in the background for when the questions are asked or the shoulders needed or the ironing needs doing or <laughs> kids need picking up, that sort of stuff, you know? So yes, yeah, so, like so both emotional support and, and really practical support. I think unless you've walked the road, Kerry, it's very hard to imagine what it's like. Even like with Down syndrome that's well known, you know, still the hoops that had to be jumped through to yeah. access services, particularly yeah. government services. But with yeah. Shabazz, which was so unknown, it was unbelievable the justifications that they had to go through, the expense of getting medical reports, physio reports, OT reports to justify their application for support services because it was unknown. Mm. It's just heartbreaking. <laughs> you can imagine why parents give up. Yeah. It'll cost money as well. Yeah. Mm, mm. And, and Pam, it's exactly why we, we uh, have the Family Voices podcast because, as you say, if, if you've walked the road, um, it's uh, helpful to hear other people that have walked the road as well. So... I think that's why we're grateful for you to be telling us a grandparent's story that might be helpful for other families. Yeah. And, of course, this is why it, it really is so important to have people in the background that, that are just constant. When the children were born, I, was, I hadn't yet retired. I was still working. But once I retired, like, I had more time. But you've got to be constant. Mm. It's no use saying, oh, it doesn't suit me this, this month. <laughs> okay, mm. we all have to you know, I had to go to work. People that have holidays, you get sick. But behind all of that, it's so important to be constant mm. and, and unwavering. Like, you know, you're on their team, you're cheering them along. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you know, we're wiping our eyes from tears together and we're all celebrating together, all the, the things yeah. that go on. So that constancy is yeah. so yeah, you're giving me a real sense of that, Pam. That the it's like you're describing your role as a grandparent as being uh, the scaffolding or the framework or something that's there uh, behind the family for them to rely on. Yeah, mind you, my St. Louis family are really, really solid, fantastic people. Mm. So it wasn't only me. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah. yeah, but you were, you were there in, in the background, as you said. Yeah. Yeah. The thing is you don't know everything mm. and so you have to be realistic. Mm. But just, you know, that constancy, you might be able to answer all the questions, um, even the philosophical ones, but they've got to know that you're there mm. and not just to do the physical things but to give them space for whatever they need and that shoulder and that time to talk, yeah. not to have yeah. the answers but just the two ears to listen. Mm. And not the and the, and the one the one mouth to speak when it's appropriate. Yeah, yeah. You've talked a lot about the 
supports that were helpful for them as a family. What about for you? What was helpful for you, Pam, in those early days? I guess I'd been a single parent forever. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes that was very difficult, but then there were times when I only had me to worry about that yeah. I didn't have to think about what's at home. I was totally free to just be wherever I need to be. Yeah, making your own choices, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I I was interested in that, Pam, because I know that there are um, grandparent groups that are support groups, if you like, for grandparents of children with disabilities. And so I was interested in what sort of supports you lent on, but it seems like you were pretty self-contained. Well, mind you, there are circumstances where those groups would be invaluable for people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd really like to hear about your granddaughter and your grandson and how they're getting on now as young adults. You you talked at the very beginning about them having can-do personalities. What are they up to now as young adults? Well, um, they're amazing. <laughs> anyway, I'm biased, I'm biased. Not well. My, my for both of them, they were both in mainstream education. Um, which was good for them, it was good for the school, good for the community. I'm, I'm a great believer in mainstreaming, even though it can be difficult at times. And they, they both really achieved well. Um, she had a modified curriculum and she had to support her. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the high school, they had a, an excellent special learning area. And, you know, like she was a real personality in that I think everybody in the school knew her because she yeah. was just such an outgoing person. Um, for many years, I helped in the tuck shop at the school, even though like my kids didn't go there, but my, two of my grandchildren went to this local high school. And it wasn't always easy for the parents sort of negotiating those modified curriculums. And um, sometimes it was a, a bit of a fight to, um, not a fight so much as it, it took determination Mm. to get all that in place. So, no, she finished right through to year 12 and graduated with her peers and I went along to graduation and and it was just amazing. Mm-hmm. So um, since she's left school, she goes to the gym and she swims and as a, actually growing up, she went to Sydney with a special O swimming and came home with quite a few gold medals. So she uh, she's very creative mm-hmm. and she loves drama, she loves her art. She's um, taken lots of extra courses in uh, special interest subjects since she's left school. She loves that kind of thing. She has part-time employment that she's paid in hospitality Mm -hmm. and they've been very encouraging for her there, you know, training her and they respect her there. She volunteers with a local theatre group and she doesn't live in Brisbane now, but she's an ambassador at their regional art gallery and goes... Part of her task there is to introduce people to the art gallery and show them around. And uh, she's also been in several stage plays with her drama mm. and in recent years um, as an extra in some of the uh, high-profile movies that have been filmed up here in Queensland. She's confident on public transport and can travel independently and she's quite capable of looking after herself. She prepares meals and takes care of herself. Her parents go away at weekends and she's... She's just chuffed to stay there by herself. She will live independently, no problem. Yeah, you're describing a pretty, uh, <clears throat> a pretty rich life there, Pam. 
yeah, right. she's very much involved. Yeah. And your grandson? Yeah, well, once once again, he was in mainstream school and had the, the, the usual support. His teachers were always very encouraging and, and supportive. Uh, everything went really well. And he went to high school in year five, um, being in the Catholic system, which he just breezed in, you know, no worries at all. Mm. And he went along really well and are very supportive. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's very outgoing. He's got a very outgoing personality always been involved in school activities. And I remember yeah. I had his 21st birthday, one of his friends in his speech, he said, it's because of my grandson that they've all stayed together. He's kind of been in their friendship group. He's the one who'll ring up and say, hey, let's go see a movie. Yeah, yeah, the glue in those relationships. <laughs> yeah. Pam, you, at the, at the, when we first were speaking today, you talked about you wanting them to have a place in the world, and it sounds like they have that. Yes, and yeah. and why not, hey? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I might say with my grandson, initially when there was so much uncertainty about his diagnosis and prognosis and what might be, um, it was predicted that maybe he wouldn't walk, mm. maybe he wouldn't run, mm. maybe he wouldn't even sit up. And yet on a Saturday morning, I watched him play two full games of soccer with his peers. <laughs> yeah, well, can, can do, as you say. Yeah, yeah. yeah can do. Um, he loves his soccer. He's just finished, well, at, at the present time, he's in the Queensland um, para soccer team mm -hmm. and their, yeah. comp their national competition is on at the Gold Coast right now. Oh, wow. He's playing wow. soccer there and he also loves Taekwondo and in later in the year he goes down to Victoria with the Queensland Taekwondo team. Oh, and as oh. far as his gym goes, he had a goal last year to lift 100 kilograms by Christmas and he did. <laughs> uh, I love hearing those stories, uh, Pam. Thank you for sharing all of that. I, I wonder if... We can just finish up, Pam, by you giving us any ideas or, or tips you have for other grandparents of young children with developmental delay or disability. Yes, Kerry. Um, as I said before, I think relationship is a basis of everything yeah. because everything else depends on family relationships mm. and establish an ongoing family relationships. Mm. From there is the willingness and the readiness to be available. Sometimes that can't always happen, like I said before, but it's got to be there and, and ongoing. And that's physical tasks as well as moral support and emotional encouragement uh, coming from that quiet uh, in the background place, wow. respecting privacy and values and things like that. Yeah. It's also important to be actively involved in your grandchildren's lives, going to school activities, going to school fates, going to tuck shop. Um, watching their sports competitions, watching their plays and performances, interested in art, go to their art shows or to the art shows that the schools might have where their work's um, displayed, providing transport when it's needed, all of those things that are keeping you up to date with their world. Mm. Because I think as older people, like I'm, I've seen this for myself and for others, can think too much about what it was like in the old days and blah, blah, blah. There is so much that's precious about 
the younger generation <laughs> and particularly about our children who might have to struggle in some ways, but you've just got to be so actively involved with them to keep up with them, to be yeah. honest. Yeah. So when my children, my own children were married, we'd been a, a single parent family most of the time, I determined to let them fly so they could make their own lives and form their own families, but always to be in the background, ready and willing to offer support any way they needed it, mm. to be there to share their rejoicing and to share their sorrows, the good times and the not so good. Mm. Thank you, Pam. It sounds like you really have been on their team. <laughs> You've described being a grandmother uh, beautifully for us. It sounds like it's brought you a lot of joy. It has. Yeah. I wouldn't swap it for anybody. <laughs> Mind you, I'm not holding my breath for the next generation, but that's another story. <laughs> well, it's fabulous to hear you talk about, well, the joys you have in being a grandparent, but also the joy you have in, in young people, children and young people. And I share that with you. I think it's really important for all of us to be surrounding ourselves with children and young people and to be learning from them as we get older and, and not stuck in our ways. Mm. Thank you so much for joining us, Pam. It's been a real pleasure hearing from you. Thank you, Kerry, and all the best to you and your organisation and to all the other parents and grandparents out there. Yeah, indeed. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. I'm grateful to Pam and, of course, her children and grandchildren for sharing the family story today. Pam's perspective about being a grandmother and her changing role in the family really reflects what we know from research about the practical and emotional support grandparents can provide when there's a child with a disability or developmental delay in the family, but also how reliable information and great communication in the family helps with that support. At the end of our conversation, Pam summed up what she thought were the most important things to share with other grandparents. Here's what Pam wanted us to hear. Your availability for practical, emotional and physical support is critical, as is your relationship with each person in the family. Pam thought that your relationship is strengthened by showing respect for privacy and values, walking the road beside the family, showing empathy and humility, and in doing so, measuring your comments very carefully and acknowledging your need to learn along the way. And lastly, Pam talked about the importance of what she called cheering them on. Such a positive perspective. Pam talked about her children and grandchildren having a can-do attitude several times in the podcast, but we heard her can-do attitude too. I appreciated Pam's very sincere insights and hope this Family Voices podcast is helpful for others too. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Family Voices. Make sure you subscribe on your podcast app and feel free to leave a review to help us gain more of an understanding of what types of conversations are helpful to you. More information about the podcast can be found on ekiavic.org.au. Until next time, thank you for listening.